KMTT, Kimitzion, Tetzei Torah, Udvar Hashem, Yerushalayim. www.kimitzion.org Having a new week. Today is Monday. As on every Monday, today's shiur will be the shiur in the mitzvah HaShavuit, the weekly mitzvah, Harav Binyamin Tabori. This week, in honor of Chag Shavuot, which will be on Wednesday, and Chutzlar, it's the extra day, Yom Tov Sheni on Thursday, I would like to de- dedicate the Shia to the concept of Kedushas Yisrael and its relationship to Kabbalah Satorah. The concept of the Kedushas Yisrael, the inherent sanctity of every Jew, and its connection to receiving the Torah, will be examined and elaborated upon in this year. We must first begin with a premise. The concept of Kedusha, of holiness, is actually a halachic term, and not just a metaphysical term of something that we consider holy. But Kedusha implies halachic laws, halachic isuim, prohibitions that are based upon the Kedusha. When we say that a day has Kedushas Hayom, a day has Kedusha, it means that Malacha cannot be done. Labor cannot be done on a day which has Kedushas Hayom. If the day has no Kedushas Hayom, for example Purim, then there is no inherent Isra Malacha. A person can do any form of labor that he wants to. Whatever any additional customs may have applied to particular days, the basic law of the Torah that Malacha can be done must be referring to a day which has Kedusha's Hayom. Now, Kedusha is, interestingly enough, in this world, a man-made concept. When I talk about things, objects, as opposed to time, I, I maintain that all things in this world, objects in this world, have Kedusha because man has made them Kadosh. This does not mean to say, obviously, that God would not have been able to be Mekadosh things. It, it theoretically could be that something would be Kadosh because God declared it's Kadosh. But in fact, in this world, all the things that we have, all the objects that we have, that have Kedusha, are things that have Kedusha imposed by man. For example, a Sefer Torah has Kedusha. But that's because the person that wrote it had in mind Lishma, the purpose of writing the Sefer for the, for the sake of Kedusha HaSefer. And the person says, Lishem Kedusha Sefer Torah. When a person would write Tefillin, he also would have to have the Kavanah, L'Shem Kedusha. If a person would write the same thing, but without Kedusha, without the inherent concept that he's Mekadosh it, then it would indeed not have Kedusha. The same would apply to Eretz Yisrael as well. Now, when I talked about Kedusha as being a metaphysical concept of something that's holy, in terms of we look at the beauty and the spirituality of that place, that is 
might be true as relates to Eretz Yisrael too. And the concept of Eretz Yisrael might have existed from the beginning of the creation of the world. But when we talk about the Kedusha of Eretz Yisrael, the holiness of Eretz Yisrael, which would impose halachic standards, for example, Trumos Masros, the laws that we must give all the tithes, all the produce of Eretz Yisrael is endowed with Kedusha. That comes because Eretz Yisrael's Kedusha, which was imposed by man. We know that until Yoshua came into Eretz Yisrael, Eretz Yisrael did not have Kedusha. Yoshua was Mekadesh Eretz Yisrael. Yoshua, when he conquered Eretz Yisrael, yes, with the Urim Betumim, with God's power behind him, the Kedusha was imposed by Yoshua. Kedusha, Lashata, whether the Kedusha remains or not is not our issue today, but the Kedusha came about through Yoshua, and when Ezra came to Eretz Yisrael, he also was Mekadesh Eretz Yisrael. Kedusha shall Ezra, Kedusha Lishnia Kitsha Lashata. That Kedusha also was imposed by Ezra. The Ramam explains also that the Kedusha of David and Shlomo is really a Kedusha that's based on the Shechina, but David and Shlomo were Mekadesh Yerushalayim with the Kedusha as HaShechina. So, all the things that we have in this world have Kedusha, but more than that, they have Kedusha imposed by man, but that the Kedusha is imposed by placing God's name, as it were, on the object in question. Is Kadosh, and his name is also Kadosh. Using that name of Akadosh Baruch Hu, using Akadosh Baruch Hu and placing Kivayachal, the name of Akadosh Baruch Hu, on a thing or an object, can create the Kedusha. So, obviously, a Tfilin, a Sefer Torah, has in it the names of Akadosh Baruch Hu, and therefore, the Kedusha, HaSofer, when the Sofer endows with the Kedusha, he creates the Kedusha in the Tfilin, the Sefer Torah. Eretz Yisrael becomes Eretz Shal HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Becomes Eretz that are Mekadesh and has the name of Hakadosh Baruch Hu, as it were, on it. As opposed to, for example, the Tzitzis. Tzitzis do not have inherent kedusha. There is no name of Hakadosh Baruch Hu attached to the Tzitzis. Tzitzis are, are a garment worn by human beings. We have to put on tzitzis, and it's true when we make tzitzis, we make it l'shem mitzvah tzitzis, but we do not have the kedusha of the tzitzis. The practical ramification, of course, is that theoretically, a person may not, may throw away tzitzis. It's only a question of bizayon, a question of treating a mitzvah with proper respect, that we would not just throw a pair of worn-out tzitzis in the garbage. Rather, we would have to wrap it up and treat it with respect, with kavod, and not to treat in a matter of bizayon, of disgrace. But a tefillin and a sefer Torah would have to have be treated with kedusha, and therefore they would have to be buried if you cannot use them properly. They were chayv and geniza in internment. So, now that we've assumed that kedusha has halachic ramification, and we've also said that kedusha relates to the name of God, Let's try to understand what it means that Am Yisrael has Kedusha. We say in Davening, Mekadesh Yisrael v'hazmanim. 
And of course, the Gemara explains that HaKadosh Baruch Hu was Mekadosh Yisrael. The Kedushas Yisrael came about, and we'll try to explain how this worked again, through a meeting of the Kedush Baruch Hu and Klal Yisrael. And then, the Zmanim, where Am Yisrael are Mekadosh the Zmanim. The only time that seems to be that we are, HaKadosh Baruch Hu was himself Mekadosh, is Shabbos. That's why I keep referring to a thing, an object. The things and objects in this world are endowed with Kedusha by man. Time, the concept of Shabbos, may be a Kedusha that's imposed by God. Even that Kedusha we could discuss, somehow there's an idea that I'm Mekadesh HaShabbos. We do say Mekadesh HaShabbos. We make Kiddush. And the concept of making Kiddush is Zohar HaSiyam HaShabbos LeKadosh Otis. Not just to say, well, HaKadosh Baruch was Mekadesh. We are Mekadesh HaShabbos. How we go about doing that is not our issue right now. But we say Mekadesh Yisrael Vazmanim because HaKadosh Baruch Hu and us created the Kedusha of Am Yisrael. And this Kedusha enables us to endow Kedusha on the Zmanim, on Yom Tov itself. The Gemarian Gittin mentions that the concept of Kadosh refers to Am Yisrael. Rashi there explains, Ki Am Kadosh Hashem we are an Am Kadosh Lashem Elokecha. As I said before, the name of HaKadosh Baruch Hu is on us. Am Kadosh Atal Lashem Now how did this happen? When did this become endowed, when did we become endowed with the concept of Kedushas Israel? There's a beautiful drasha of the Rav Beis HaLevi, the great-grandfather of the famous Rav Salavechik of Boston, the Rav Salavechik of Chicago, who wrote a sefer, a lamdash, a halachic sefer called Beis HaLevi, but he was also well-known for his drashas, for his homiletical interpretations, which are also based many times on halacha. In the Beis HaLevi, in the Chele Kadrush, in the homiletical section of the Beis HaLevi, the Beis HaLevi explained the concept of Kedush Yisrael basically came, came about because Am Yisrael said, Na When we, just before Matan Torah, said, Na we will do, and we will observe, we will hear, we will listen. And of course, Chazal and many have pointed out that the order seems to be very strange. Normally a person would say, well, let me hear what you have to say, and then we'll decide if we'll accept or not. How can a person accept without knowing what he's going to accept? Not only that, but the Gemara says this is a major secret that B'nai Yisrael somehow intuited. The Gemara in Shabbos says, Who revealed this secret to B'nai Yisrael that this would be the correct approach? To accept the responsibility of doing even before you know what you are going to do. Beis HaLevi explained that the whole halachic concept of accepting a responsibility is rather problematic. And he uses halachic sources to show that a person can undertake a contract with somebody. For example, if you hire a worker to mow, to mow the lawn, then he is required to mow the lawn. He accepted this responsibility. Of course, he has the option of quitting. 
but you cannot hire somebody for davar she'enokatsuf, for something that has no exact parameter. Therefore, you can't hire someone and say, well, I'll hire you to, to do whatever I say. In order to hire a person, you have to have a specific task in mind. But there's no halachic obligation that can be incurred by making a general statement, I will do what you say. The one exception, of course, is the person who accepts servitude. A person who sells himself as a slave, what we call in Hebrew the mocher atzmo. The mocher atzmo, the person who sold himself, then has to do everything that the owner said. But it's not because he undertook task A, task B, task C, etc. But rather, he in, invested himself with the concept, with the title of being a slave. And once he's a slave, automatically he has to do what the master says. The Beis HaLevi says, the day that we would have said, Nishma V'na'aseh, would mean we would accept one obligation after another. But na'asevanishma means first we accept it upon ourselves to do whatever HaKadosh Baruch Hu said. By doing that, what we did in effect is that we became slaves to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Slaves to HaKadosh Baruch Hu endows us with the concept of Kedusha. We are now attached to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Avdei Hashem. So an Eved Hashem has Kedusha. The Beis HaLevi explains halachic ramifications of this concept. And he, for example, a person whose Kadosh now can impose Kadosh upon someone else. How is conversion possible? And he explains it's like a Kli which is Mekadi something else. A one vessel can in, somehow expand its Kadosh and include something new which comes into the vessel and endow that with Kadosh. So Gerus, conversion is possible because we have Kadusha. And our Kedusha, as it were, can extend to a convert as well. This concept that B'nai Yisrael became Avadim to HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the secret, according to Beis HaLevi, of understanding the whole nature of Kabbalah Satora, not just Kabbalah Satora, but actually became Avadim to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. In a sefer called Maore HaMoadim, a sefer written by one of the, in the name of one of the uh, children of the Briskarov, Meshulam David Halevi, Salavechik, the son of Revelvel, he explains the concept of poschim bignus. When we say that we begin, Sipur Yitzias Mitzrayim, we begin by telling the story, we say, Avadim Hayinu Lefaro B'Mitzrayim, we were slaves to Paro. He pointed out this Sefer, Maorei HaMoadim, that before Matan Torah, Am Yisrael could become slaves. We could be slaves. We did not belong to anyone, but a, another nation could in fact buy us or acquire us as slaves. But once we left Mitzrayim and we became Avde Hashem, then as it were, we belonged to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. If we long, belong to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, we have Kedushas Am Yisrael, we're Avdei Hashem, then you can't become an Eved to someone else. And that's the way they interpret the Pasuk in Vayikra, Perik Chafei, Kili V'nei Yisrael Avadim, you are my slaves. Avadayhem, Asher Otzei Siyosam Me'eretz Mitzrayim. 
You're the slaves that I took out of Mitzrayim. You can't be sold as a slave. They required special permission in the case of an Eved Ivri, how legal, how the legal machinations can work to really acquire an Eved Ivri. But basically, without a special heter of the Torah, you, you can't become a slave. We can't be Avadim anymore because we're slaves to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That is the secret of HaKadosh Yisrael. There are certain halachos that perhaps can be explained by this concept. For example, there's a well-known halacha that a Jew cannot commit himself to a punishment of the Torah. Ein Adam Mesim Atzma Rasha means if a person said that he did something for which he would be guilty and require corporal punishment, we do not even listen to him. What is the reason for this? The Rambam in Hilchas Rotzeach mentions the Nafsho Shalzeh Nerag Kinyan Gorlada and Nafsho Shalzeh Nerag Kinyan Gorladam Ela Kinyan Akadosh Baruch We all belong to Akadosh Baruch In that context of Gorladam. I'd rather not go into the details now for the sake of brevity. But the Radvaz uses this phrase to explain why a person cannot self-obligate himself in a corporal punishment. We know, for example, there's a din of Kriya. A person is required to to tear his garments on certain occasions of mourning. If a person is not wearing his clothes, his own clothes, then he's exempt from this din. You can require me to tear my garments, but you cannot allow me to tear someone else's garments. You certainly cannot require me to tear someone else's garments. Things that don't belong to me aren't really mine. Therefore, I have no control over them. The Jewish body is, as it were, sold to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Ki li slavadim, avadahim. We belong to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Therefore, to say that we should hit ourselves, or allow someone to kill us, or hit us, is totally incomprehensible. A person is not allowed to damage himself. Rav Zevin wrote a very interesting article in a book called Lo'or HaAlacha. And the topic that he chose is very, very interesting, as he used Shakespeare's Shylock as an example to discuss an entire concept of Jewish law. As, as, as we remember from this story of Shylock and Merchant of Venice, Shylock, the money usurer, made a deal that he would lend somebody money, but he would want a pound of flesh. Rav Zevin really discussed the question, can a person really contract to give away his own flesh? Can a person allow himself to, let's say, cut off his arm or inflict a wound upon himself? Rav Zevin uses our argument that we do not belong to ourselves. We belong to our Kaddish Baruch Hu. 
And therefore, it's like we would tear somebody else's clothes. We're tearing somebody else's property. And therefore, a person is not allowed to do damage to himself. Rav Zevin quotes the, a, a very interesting psikta. We know that suicide is considered a very, very severe avera. A person is not allowed to commit suicide. And many people have questioned the source of this halacha. And many people have discussed it in terms of Jewish history under those extenuating circumstances where Jewish Jews did commit suicide, how does the halacha relate to it? Most people think that the source, that a Jew is not allowed to commit suicide, is based on the Pasuk, Shofeich dam ha'adam ba'adam damoi, Shofeich ki b'tselem alukim et adam. Anybody who spills blood of a person should have his blood spilled because God was made, man was made in the image of God. If that would be true, this halacha applies to Jews and non-Jews equally. A person is not allowed to commit suicide. But the halacha quotes, Rav Zevin quotes the psikta, may be learned from a different place, source completely. The Torah says, Lo tirzach. The Torah says, You cannot commit murder. And the psikta says, Lo titrazach b'mashma. Lo tirzach, of course, is the, the causative case. I cannot kill someone else. But the Psikta interprets it as if it says, Lo titratzach, don't, don't commit suicide, don't commit yourself, don't kill it yourself. If we would interpret that a person has no rights to his own body, he is Eved Hashem, then inherently there's no difference between committing suicide and killing someone else. Rav Herschel Schechter has written in his Sefer, Eretz Atzvi, a most unusual concept. He explains there the difference between the body of a Jew and the body of a non-Jew. And he uses halachic phraseology for this. A Jew is a an object of Kedusha. Tashmish Kedusha. The Jewish body itself is used for Kedusha, like we said by Tefillin, and, and, and mezuzah. A non-Jew also has to fulfill certain obligations. There are seven laws, the seven Noahide laws, which apply to the entire world. And therefore, we theoretically could have thought that the same concept of Kedusha would apply to a non-Jew as well. But Rav Shechter explained that the non-Jew is considered as a tashmish mitzvah, something that's used for a mitzvah, like we would say by pair of tzitzes. Since it's used for a mitzvah, it has no inherent kedusha, but it's used for a mitzvah, it's a tashmish mitzvah, but it's not a tashmish kedusha, it's not a, it doesn't have holiness per se. And therefore the halacha, that a tashmish mitzvah should be treated respectfully but need not be buried, but a tashmish kedusha, something that's used for kedusha, something that itself becomes an object of kedusha, not only must we treat it with respect, but it must be buried as well. And Rav Shechter says that this might be the source that a Jew who dies requires kavura. We must bury a Jew who, pa- who passes away. 
similarly to the way we would bury a Sefer Torah that's not being used, and similarly to a pair of tefillin that's not being used. How does this law apply to non-Jews? Would we say that a, a non-Jew also requires kavura? So Rav Shechter wrote in this article that it could be that you cannot simply allow a dead body to be in a state of disgrace and in a state of shame. As a Tashmish mitzvah, it should be treated with respect. But the special halacha of kvura, the special halacha burial, might not apply to a non-Jew. Of course, this would raise other issues. How would we respond to a to a non-Jew who would ask if he can create damage to himself? Now, it would seem on one hand that this is a sort of a bias against the non-Jew. We said a Jew is not allowed to commit to hurt himself or even to we said as so far is that it's mamish, the same Easter as, as, as murder to commit suicide. But that's because we said he belongs to God. Would this be true of a non-Jew as well? Perhaps we would then posit that a non-Jew would commit, would be able to commit suicide. The law of self-incrimination might apply to a non-Jew. The, we know from the story of that Narha Maleki, if you remember the story where David HaMelech was interrogated, this fellow, this according to one version of the story, this Narha Maleki, this Amaleki lad, who said that he killed Shaul HaMelech, although Shaul may have requested it, we... The story itself requires analysis exactly what happened there. But if we remember the sentence, it says there, Picha Hashem. Your own mouth, your own statement, you said yourself that you killed Mashiach Hashem. You said that you killed the anointed one of God. And David therefore put him to death. Now it seems very strange that David HaMelech could kill somebody who self-incriminated himself. We know that self-incrimination is not viable in Jewish law. Now, one may use the Rambam in Ilkha Sanhedrin to explain that this was a special law that was enacted at that time and does not have a real halachic basis which can be used normally. But, according to what we're saying, and it is possible to say that a non-Jew indeed, may be entitled to self-incrimination. Well, I said before, this does seem a sort of bias. There is a, a flip side to it that would be interesting if we would really understand the depth of the concept. The reason for this halacha we are maintaining is because the Jew doesn't really belong to himself. A Jew really has no autonomy. He is not an independent person. He's a slave. He's inherently a slave to God. The non-Jew, on the other hand, indeed has certain requirements that he must perform. But the bottom line is, he is autonomous. He has his own ownership, as it were. He can, as it were, he would own his own body. Therefore, in one respect, 
the freedom entitled, that entitled to a non-Jew is greater than the freedom entitled to the Jew. The Jew does not have personal freedom, does not have personal ownership, is responsible for his own body as if he's protecting it for the sake of God who really owns him. So this concept of Kedushas Yisrael that we've been discussing means that this Jew, a Jew, has unique concept of belonging to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, which came about through the fact that he said Nasa Venishma. The Gemara in Psachim, discusses the idea of how one should celebrate Yom Tov. As is well known, some people think that Yom Tov should be, basically be a spiritual day. Lachem, Lachadosh Baruch Hu, Lachem. Should be a day that we devote ourselves to the spiritual world of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Others say, no, Yom Tov should be Lachem. The purpose of Yom Tov is for the Jew to enjoy Yom Tov, to have good meals, to enjoy some sort of gashmios, physical well-being on that particular day. And the Gemara, of course, discusses the third possibility of Chetzio Lashem, Chetzio Lachem, of dividing the day into two. Part of it should be, indeed, based on spirituality, but part should be based on gashmios and physical, uh, physical being as well. The Gemara says, Hakomodim, Ba'atzeres, the Bina Lachem. Everybody would agree that in Shavuos, there is certainly a concept of having Lochem. There should be a feeling of Gashmius involved. And Rav Yosef says, if not for that specific day, if not for the day of Shavuos, how many people would be like me? What made me unique? What created my uniqueness is the fact of Shavuos. According to our discussion, what really happened on Shavuos is we became physically slaves of a Kaddish Baruch Hu. The Jewish body itself in, became Kadosh. It would seem strange at first glance that because Shavuos is the day of Matan Torah, everybody agrees that we need physical benefits because, because it's Yom Shanitan Torah. But if you would explain that the day Shanitna Torah is not just the day that we got the Torah, it's the day that we became endowed with Kedush Yisrael, our physical body itself belongs to Kadosh Baruch Hu, oh, Therefore, the Jewish body itself is something special, and on that particular day, it is it would be behooving us to treat the body also with a respect and say, you require a, a physical benefit as well. We could use this idea to give it a homiletical interpretation of the Haggadah as well. In that litany known as Dayenu, we make many statements. We say that if HaKadosh Baruch Hu had only done this and not done that, it would have been sufficient for us to praise HaKadosh Baruch Hu. One of them that seems almost the most problematic of all those statements is, Ilu kervanu sinai dayenu. If HaKadosh Baruch Hu had brought us to Sinai without giving this Torah, that would have been sufficient. And of course, the question arises by itself. What is so beautiful about Sinai that if we had been there without the Torah, it would have been sufficient? What is Sinai without the Torah? 
Hasina is a mountain. There are beautiful mountains. There are more beautiful mountains. Why would we say it would be sufficient to be at Hasinai without receiving the Torah? Now, there are many other homiletic interpretations as well. For our purposes today, we would like to say, Ilu if HaKadosh Baruch Hu had brought us to Hasinai and given us this concept of Nasev and Ishma, which we, as Ke'ilu, a partnership with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, accept upon ourselves to be slaves of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, at that moment we became endowed with Kedush Yisrael. Kedush Yisrael, that concept would be so beautiful, so moving, so important to Am Yisrael, that even without the Torah, somehow that would be important too, somehow we would be able to say Dayenu. Allah has kama v'chama, how much more so that today we can say, on Shavuos, that we do have Kedushas Yisrael. And as Kedushas Yisrael, we accepted the Torah, we would say, Alachas kama v'chama tova kfula muchupela saliru. Baruch Hashem, we've reached the Chag of Shavuos, where we understand the concept of Kedushas Yisrael. We are prepared now to receive the Torah, Bikedusha Uvtahara.